say it again, that's a pretty intense bumper video. It gets you going, right? Like, whoa, this is serious today. And I got to be honest with you, if you're right here with us at our Goshen and Mishawaka campuses today, you guys are serious because you braved this storm to come out this morning. It was just fantastic. I mean, honestly, who knew? I mean, all of the frozen tears of the Packers fans, they migrated <laughs> over Lake Michigan and settled here in Michiana today. Our sincerest condolences to all of our Packer friends and the, the lives that they're living today. Got to be honest, I want to give a shout out to the people at Crossbridge. We have a new group of people joining us in Nashville, and I'm excited to have them be joining the Crossroads family from afar, but they're struggling today too. Titans got slammed by the Bengals. I mean, it's the playoffs. It is what it is, uh, but we're glad you're with us. And today, you guys, we've got something really important to dive into and I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you're joining us. Whether you're joining us online today or wherever you are, specifically, we are wrapping up this, this series, Dangerous Prayers, and we might be praying the most dangerous prayer of all, right? So you're like, oh no, I picked the wrong Sunday to come out to. This is a day that I would contend with you. Um, there are going to be people who experience this moment together today who look back at this moment and realize that this was a moment that changed the trajectory of their relationship with God. It changed the trajectory of their life. I believe that with all of my heart. And I want you to really lean in today, not to what I'm saying, but to what God is speaking into your heart. What is it that he is asking you to say yes to? That's what I'm asking you to consider today because the reality is this dangerous prayer all centers around, here I am, God, send me. And that is a terrifying prayer. Can we just be honest? I think we're kind of, um, I don't know, we, we've been conditioned to think that when we pray, God, here I am, send me, that the next day God sends us on a plane, you know, down to the middle of Africa, and we're, we're doomed to never use an actual toilet ever again. You know, it's like that, that's, no, was that, was that just funny to me? I, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, that's the picture in my mind. When I was running from my call to ministry, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. I was running as far away as I could from that because I just thought for sure, oh, that's going to be a terrible existence. Who wants to be a pastor? Ah! Turned out it was fine. It was okay. It's great. Um, I'm surviving and doing just fine. It's, it's good. Um, but the reality is we get terrified of what it means to to be an open book, to be available, to say, yes, God, here I am, send me. It's terrifying, it, it's dangerous. And yet, I wanna challenge you that that is where life is lived to the fullest. That is how you live the life that God has called you to. That's how you become who God created you to be. And I don't want you to, to hesitate or, or to, to stand back from that beautiful moment. I want you to lean into it and just grapple with in your own life today what it would look like if you actually prayed that prayer with full heart, full sincerity, saying, God, here I am, send me. What would that look like? I think it helps us to, to reset our prayer life. I think a lot of times when it comes to our prayer life, we settle for shallow prayers. We've talked about this in the weeks leading up to this moment. The reality that a lot of our prayers center around this idea of God God exists to, to serve us, right? God bless us, keep us, expand our territory, keep us safe, keep us well. And there's nothing wrong with praying those prayers. I pray prayers of blessing over my family for myself all the time. I, I don't want to be sick, uh, but I got sick, right? I don't like to endure difficulty, but I endure difficulty. I pray for God's blessing, but we have to recognize that it's in those times of, of trial 
Those moments where we have to walk through the valley where God stretches us and helps us become who he's called us to be. And yet, there is a power that comes from, from praying more dangerous prayers. When we say, God, disturb me. God, search my heart, revealing to me the things that are, that are here that don't please you. God, break me. Break me of, of what I want. May what I want be what you want. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Those are prayers that get us outside of our comfort zone. Those are prayers that open our eyes to what Jesus is calling us to do, who he is calling us to be. And those are prayers that aren't centered on, God, what can you do for me? No, those are prayers that are really more centered on, God, what can I do for you? And I think at the end of the day, this concept of, God, here I am, send me, it reflects the reality that we recognize God has given everything for us. And in response to that perfect love, the natural response needs to be, God, I, I want to give everything to you. That is where life is lived to the fullest. That is the life of full surrender. That is the life that God is calling every single person to. So don't hold back. It's scary. Oh, is it terrifying? It's dangerous. And yet, this is where life is lived to the fullest. And I want you to lean into what it is that God speaks to you today. Uh, there was a powerful moment about 60 years ago that became an iconic moment, an inauguration speech by John F. Kennedy, uh, where he said the iconic moment, you guys, most of you will recognize this, uh, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what? Ask what you can do for your country. Um, that was kind of a, a change in philosophy, a, a, a moment that kind of uh, changed the trajectory and was an iconic moment for him. And I would encourage you to think about that concept and that idea in relation to your, rela your relationship with God and how you encounter him to, to really change the idea and the way that you pray. Kind of spiritualizing that a little bit, maybe ask it in this terms, ask not what God can do for you, but ask God what you can do for him, right? That is the core concept of God, here I am, send me. And I want you to lean into that concept today because uh, God is calling you. I want you to know that. He created you with gifts and abilities to use for him and for his glory. He's prepared you for, for works that he had prepared for you from the beginning of time. That's what it tells us in scripture. And he's waiting for you to say yes, to answer the call that he's placed on your life. And I think, again, we're hardwired to resist that because it terrifies us. Uh, we think that we're not worthy. There's too much stuff in my life. There's no way God wants to use me, right? How do I have any gifts and abilities that God could use? We make all sorts of excuses. And yet when you look through scripture, you see that especially in the Old Testament, I love this about God, all of the heroes of old, they were all flawed. They all had issues. You think about Moses. He, he was a murderer. I mean, the dude was a murderer. He murdered. He killed a guy. And God used him to free his people. David, the man after God's own heart, had a, had a moment in time where he committed adultery and had a hand in murder himself. Like, these aren't great guys. God, God used them. He redeemed those moments. Rahab was a prostitute. She is a pivotal part in the story of God's people. Like, what? What is going on here? Gideon was paralyzed by fear and insecurity. He could not even fathom that God had called him to be a leader. Joseph, who was a man of character, had to deal with being abandoned by his family. Elijah, the great prophet, continually fighting depression throughout the, the, the rule that he had there and the time that God used him. I mean, when you think about all the flaws that these guys had, 
you gather these guys together, you realize these aren't really, you know, they're not exactly the Avengers here, all right? They're, they're not superheroes. There are a lot of misfits here. They're more uh, Guardian of the Galaxy types. How about that? Um, it's, it's the reality that, man, we have excuses, right? We all have our insecurities and our fears. We all have our reasons to not go all in and say, God, here I am. Send me. But God, in all of his grace, man, in the love that he has for you, in the freedom that he has given us, he wipes all that away. And he asks us, in light of all that he has done for us, he has given everything for you. He asks for our response to, to just simply be, God, I'm going to give everything to you. God, here I am. Whatever you're asking me to do, the answer is yes. That's a terrifying and dangerous place to be, but that is where life is lived to the fullest. God, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. I think that's where he calls us to be. And so I, I want to just talk through this because I think there are a few different responses uh, that we have when God calls us, all right? And make no mistake, God is calling you. He has a call on your life. He has created you with gifts and abilities to do things that he prepared in advance just for you. He has a call for you. It's just a matter of how we respond to his call, right? And we see three different responses in Scripture. Uh, response number one is Jonah. You may have heard of this guy, right? Uh, God says, Jonah, I need you. And Jonah's response is, <clears throat> here I am, but I'm not going. I mean, that's it. Done. No deal. No. <laughs> Jonah 1, 1 through 3. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. Um, let me just pause and, and clarify that. The whole story of Jonah, it's a very short book in the Bible. The whole story is ultimately about God's compassion for Nineveh. He sees how wicked they are. Their, their wickedness has been brought before him. And instead of just, you know, smiting them, right? Like that's, that's how we view God in the Old Testament. He smites people. no. He actually was calling Jonah here to go call them to repent because he wanted to redeem them. There was hope for the Ninevites. I mean, think about that. That's the picture of God. That's the whole story of Jonah. It's God's compassion. And Jonah hated the Ninevites. He knew, oh man, if God gets a hold of them, they will repent, and then we'll have to like them. I don't want this. And so Jonah says, no, I'm running. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. That one always messes with me. <laughs> he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. See what it does? It's like, ah. <laughs> My sister has the gift of whistling. Like when she says that, the <laughs> she can whistle. That would have been so much better there. You've been there, God calls you to do something, you know there's something that you're supposed to do. And that was your response. <laughs> Here I am, God. I am not going. That never leads anywhere good. Can we just be honest? How much do we miss out on in life by having that response? Instead of saying, God, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Instead of just living with that kind of reckless abandon and trust for God, when we respond by saying, here I am, God, I love you, I see you, 
I'm not going. <laughs> what, what are we missing out on? I mean, I believe with all of my heart, God has appointments for each of us every single day. He's got people in our lives who are desperate for hope, need an encouraging word, need an act of kindness, need an invitation to a changed life. Are we listening for his voice? Are we trying to ask God how he's calling us to live our life and listening to that call? Are we ready in those moments and the still and quiet to say, God, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Because I would continue with you today that when we run, man, we're missing out. We're missing out on the life that he's called us to. And the road that we're holding on to, that we're trying so desperately to stay on, that, you know, seeks our own pleasure and seeks our own pursuit of possession and prestige and power, that road, it never satisfies. It always takes you farther than you want to go. And we fight this call to say yes to Jesus and say, God, send me. And what we're holding on to, it, it never fulfills. It never leads you where you thought it would take you. I want to challenge you today, man, make sure that that's not your response. Here I am. God, I see you. I am not going. <laughs> Don't be that guy because you're going to miss out on what God has in store for you. Response number two, Moses. Man, I love this. Moses, you have to understand, when, when Moses encountered the presence of God in the burning bush in the wilderness, Moses was 80 years old. That's what it tells us in Scripture. He was already an old man. The first 40 years of his life, he had been the prince of Egypt. And it ended badly when he killed a guy. He had to run for his life. And for the next 40 years, he was basically a shepherd watching goats in the middle of nowhere. He had a new life. He had a new family. He had a wife. He had kids. His life was completely different. And then God showed up on the scene, met him in a burning bush and said, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt and I want you to go lead them out. I mean, think about all of the insecurities, all of the fears that Moses would be grappling with in that moment. Sometimes we throw Moses under the bus because, well, God had spoken to him audibly. He was appearing to him as a burning bush that wasn't being consumed by fire. We, we, we tend to throw Moses under the bus, but he's grappling with a lifetime of insecurity and fear. And so when God asks Moses to go, Moses' response was, God, here I am. I see you. God, please send someone else. <laughs> and I think we've all been there. We're afraid. We're insecure. We're dealing with all the things in our past, and we're not exactly sure how to overcome that. There's that recognition that, man, there's no way in my life, all the things that I've done, all the ways that I've failed, that God could possibly use me. There's just too much to overcome. God, I see you. God, I hear you. Oh, please send someone else. But I want you to know today that if you've said yes to Jesus, man, that past stays in the past. You've been forgiven. How incredible is it that, that God says, I see your sin, and I've separated that from you as far as the east is from the west. I've thrown that to the bottom of the ocean floor. It will never be found. It's gone. Rise up. Walk with your head held high. You're a child of God. You've been set free. You don't have to live in that place anymore. That's what he is. That's who, that's who he is, and that's what he does. That's the God we serve. But in Exodus 4.13, after going back and forth with God, saying, God, there's got to be someone else. Send my brother. He can speak better than I can. Moses again pleaded with the Lord, Lord, please send anyone else, anyone but me, because he was terrified of what that would look like. 
Man, God was insistent with Moses. He let Aaron go with him. He gave him miracles to perform. God gave Moses everything he could, every tool that he could possibly hope to have to make that happen. And finally, Moses got to that place where he was convinced to say, oh, all right, let's do this, let's go. But he had to overcome those fears and insecurities. Response number one, here I am, God. I'm not going. (laughs) Here I am. Send someone else. But then there's the third response. And we see that in Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 6, 8, uh, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. It's the response that changes everything. That's what God desperately longs for in our relationship with him. doesn't really matter what the question is. The answer is yes. God, here I am. I'm yours. I'll go. At this point in time, notice this. Isaiah had no idea what exactly the mission was. Like, hey, what's the job description here? It's not really clear to me. Yeah, there is none. What's the salary package? Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Benefits? Nope. Retirement? Absolutely not. Okay, yes, I'm in. Let's go. The thing is, it's great to say, hey, this is where we need to be, right? Here I am, send me. That's where we all need to end up. But I think it's really important for us to just pause and identify, okay, if that's the goal, getting to that place of surrender, that every day that's the response that I have to Jesus. Whatever the question is, God, whatever you have for me, the answer is yes, I think we have to be honest and grapple with the fact, well, okay, that's the goal. Yeah, how do I get there? And I think we see that in in the context for this verse in Hebrews 6. Because it's Hebrews 6, 8 where Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. Look at what leads up to that moment, though, for Isaiah. I think this is really important. I think we have to learn from this. It says in Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. I mean, let's just stop here for a second. Isaiah had a vision of God. But notice this. I mean, this is the year King Uzziah died. Um, in, the, in the history of Israel, and the history of Isaiah, this was a chaotic time. The king died. There was transition. There was a bunch of unknown things happening. No one knows. Are we at war? Are we going to be at peace? What is happening? And in the middle of the chaos, and in the middle of all the turmoil of life, instead of looking at that, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. I experienced his presence in my life. And I think that if we're going to get to that place where we say, God, whatever the question is, I have an answer, and it's yes. Here I am. Send me. I think to get to that place, it has to start with the recognition that, man, you have to have a real encounter with Jesus. The only way to get to that place where, God, here I am, send me, is to know that, man, Jesus loves you. You have said yes to Jesus. You have experienced his presence in your life. And when you encounter the presence of Jesus, when you realize through your experience that he is real, that he is with you, that he is faithful, that changes everything. That's the reset. That's the starting point for how you get to this place where I say yes to Jesus every day. And I want you to know that it's, it is my desire at the deepest level 
that each and every one of us, part of this Crossroads family, can say without any doubt that we have experienced the presence of Jesus in our lives. I mean, our mission here is to be inviting thousands of people to a changed life every year. We want to to celebrate a thousand baptisms between now and 2025 here at Crossroads because we want to be part of people whose lives are being changed by Jesus. That is when people encounter the presence of Jesus and he changes them. There is nothing better than that. And if we're going to get on this journey to the place where God has called us to, we have to acknowledge that, yes, I have encountered Jesus. His presence is real in my life because no one can take that experience away from you. I remember when I encountered Jesus in a very real way for the first time. Man, it happened to me when I was a teenager. I was 15 years old, and God spoke to me. Is that one of those old-time revivals? I went forward from my pew, I went to the altar, and I asked God into my life to change my life. And I encountered him in the most real way. His presence was all around me. It's a moment that changed everything for me. When we encounter his presence, we recognize, man, he has given everything for me. It sets the stage for the realization that the natural response is, I need to give everything to him. Here I am, God. Send me. So it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord, Isaiah starts by saying. It says, he was sitting on a lofty throne. This is the vision that that God gives Isaiah of heaven. And I love in scripture when we get to peek behind the curtain and see what's going on on the other side, right, in eternity. This is an amazing picture of who God is. He was sitting on a lofty throne. And the train of his robe, it filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, angelic beings, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies, the God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What an incredible picture of heaven that that is. And I think that that matters because I think that that is an encounter for Isaiah with not only the presence of God, but he is experiencing in that moment the power of God. He is recognizing in that moment there is no one like our God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the consuming fire, the almighty God. And I think too often we forget that. We serve the creator God, and he loves us with an extravagant love. There is no one like him. And I think that when we don't embrace his presence, the farther that we get away from that picture of God, the more we minimize his power, right? And so then our conversations become more like, yeah, I've been talking to the big guy upstairs. Everything's good. You know, we start praying, dear baby Jesus, help us today. You know, we, we minimize the power the holiness, and the presence of God. I would contend that, man, if if we got to peek behind the curtain like Isaiah did, man, all of that would be gone. We would be overwhelmed by his presence and his power, the glory of God. And I think we have to recognize that that glory and power of God, it, it changes everything. There is no one like him. And when you encounter the presence and the power of God, you realize 
man, I'm, I'm just not worthy. There is no one like him. And you realize, you begin to realize who he is and what he has done for you. It goes on in verse 4. It says, their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. This is an incredible vision of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you have to recognize Isaiah in this moment when he encounters the overwhelming power and the glory of God. His response is not, wow, this is amazing. No, he says, I'm doomed. This is over for me. No one can survive this. He realizes in the presence of God that he's just not worthy. I think a lot of times the trap we fall into is we compare ourselves to, you know, to the people around us, the people in culture and society, and we, we start looking around and we're like, I'm, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty good at this. I'm a good person, right? And we, we forget just how desperately we need the presence and the power of Jesus in our lives. And in the moment where he encounters the power, I mean, his response is, <laughs> I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. In the presence of God, he realizes Oh, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I, I don't have any way of possibly having the right to be in the presence of God. I'm, I'm going to die. I, I don't deserve to be here. He says, I have filthy lips, which leads me to believe he might have said something he shouldn't have just before he saw this vision. I'm just kidding. But the reality is, man, in the presence of God, you realize just how much you need him. And then in that moment where this seraphim comes, touches his lips with this coal, and and says, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven, you realize, man, God, God has done for me what I could not do for myself. And because of his presence, because of his power, I have peace. I experience his grace. He loves me. He has forgiven me. He has set me free. And I think that when you wrap your mind around all that God is, all that he has done for you, that is what leads you to verse 8, where without any context, Isaiah just hears God say, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send, Send me. I don't know what you're asking for, but the answer is yes. I'm in. Let's go. Because Isaiah realizes in that moment, man, God, he's changed everything for me. He has given everything for me. And the natural response, the only response is, God, I'm giving everything to you. So whatever it is you want, whatever it is you're asking for, God, it's yours. The answer is yes. God, here I am. Send me. That's a pivotal moment. Man, that's a dangerous prayer, but it's a prayer that changes everything. It's a dangerous prayer of unreserved availability. 
in the presence of God. That's the prayer that changes everything. And I want to contend with you today that that can't just be a one-time prayer. How about that? I think that's a prayer that we need to be able to say every single day. Here I am. God, send me. If that becomes a daily prayer, I would contend with you today that that's a prayer that changes your life. If that's a prayer where every day you wake up and say, God, I don't know what you have in store for me. I don't know what appointments you have, but when they come across my, my desk, the answer is yes. Whoever crosses my path today and I, I recognize you're leading me to, to say an encouraging word or show an act of kindness, share my story of what you've done in my life, to invite them to a changed life, just to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus. God, whatever you're asking me to do in that moment, the answer is going to be yes. Oh, man, you guys, that's... That's the prayer that changes everything. And I think that the reason that it has to be a daily prayer is because we need to daily keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. He's paid the price that we couldn't pay. He's given everything for us. And when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that's what keeps us focused on being who he has called us to be. I can't forget if I'm thinking every day, God, I'm yours. I can't forget everything he's done for me. And I want to give everything for him. Because there's a battle going on, the battle going on in our soul between good and evil. It speaks to this in Galatians 5. Paul talks about this quite a bit through Scripture. Uh, Paul writes, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I, have you ever been there, right? Like, these are things I desperately want to do, but I don't do them. Like, I want to get on the treadmill today and work out, but I didn't. You know, you've been there. I've been there a lot in the last few weeks. Um, there's things I don't want to do that I find myself doing. Like, I didn't want to be mean and angry in that moment, but I, why did I do that? Why did I say that? There, there's a war going on inside us constantly, and it's a battle for your soul. And what's unbelievable about Jesus, what's unbelievable about the Holy Spirit is that, listen, when you say yes to Jesus, I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to say yes to Jesus every single day. You don't have to be consumed by those things or controlled by those things any longer. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome that. What an incredible verse it is in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when it talks about temptation in our lives. It, it just promises in God's word, there is no temptation that you face that isn't common to everyone else. God is faithful. It says he will always provide a way to escape that temptation. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And I want to encourage you today that what you're focusing on, it matters. I think there's a lot of truth to the statement, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. If you are feeding yourself on the truth of God's word on a daily basis, if you are willing to pray these dangerous prayers every day, God, would you search me? Is there anything in my heart that shouldn't be there that is a barrier between me and my relationship with you? God will clear that out. If you pray, God, would you break me? Break me of what I want. May it be replaced with what you want. 
break my heart for what breaks yours, Jesus, you're going to become who he's calling you to be. If you're willing to pray this prayer every day, God, would you send me? I don't know what the question is, Jesus, but the answer is yes. That's a game changer. That's going to help you stay laser focused on Jesus, living that life that's fully surrendered to him. And that is the place that he's called every single one of us to be. That's the plan that he has for you. And if we are willing to take that next step to pray that dangerous prayer, I I just want you to know today, you will be living life to the fullest. It doesn't mean that life suddenly becomes easy and everything goes your way in life. No. But it means that your relationship with God is exactly where it needs to be. It means you are becoming who God has called you to be. It means you are living into the purpose and plan that God has for you day by day, one step of obedience at a time. Me saying, God, here I am, send me. And that's the dream that I have for every one of us. That every single day, every single one of us would just be willing to say yes to Jesus. That's a game changer. That changes the trajectory of your life. And so as we come to a close today, I want to invite you to just pray this dangerous prayer. And you know what? You might not be ready to pray it. I get it. But I'm going to ask you to pray this out loud if you mean it, if you're sincere. If you're willing to pray this dangerous prayer, take a huge risk and say, God, here I am. Send me. I don't know what the question is just yet, but I'm willing to step out in faith and pray this dangerous prayer. The answer, God, is yes. If that's where you're willing to be today, I want to invite you to pray this dangerous prayer. And so if you would, as these words come up on the screens, I invite you to pray this with me together right now. God, may your will be done through me today. Lord, I give you my mind. Please guard my thoughts. Lord, help me guard my heart as I know it can easily deceive me. Purify my motives in all that I do. May my only goal be to serve and please you. Here I am. God, will you send me? That's a prayer that will change your life. That's a prayer that I'm asking you to consider praying every single day. God, send me. I don't know what the question is, but the answer is yes. I want to live into the purpose and plan that you have for me. Keeping that in mind, I, I don't want to miss a moment here because wherever you're joining from today, I don't want to assume that everyone who is here has had a chance to receive the forgiveness and the freedom that comes from saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you haven't had that moment where you realize you've invited Jesus to come into your life and, and that journey hasn't yet begun, but You crave it. Your heart's racing right now because you realize God's speaking to you and he wants you to say yes to him. And I don't want you to miss this moment. In fact, I want to share this moment with you. And so as we close, I would just invite all of us to say yes to Jesus together. And I would ask you to stand wherever you are today and and to join us in praying this prayer together because this is a prayer that begins this journey. It's the prayer that changes everything and sets us up for success and getting to this place where We're praying the prayer, God, send me. So would you pray this prayer with me today? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, 
and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we just give a round of applause to people who've prayed that prayer for the first time today? Because there is a celebration in heaven going on for every person who has said yes to Jesus today for the first time. And if you're here with us today, I just want to invite you. We have uh, Keith over here who's ready and willing and able to talk with you. He would love to give you a Bible and walk through the first steps of what it means to take this journey with Jesus because your life is about to be changed forever. And I'm so excited to walk that journey with you. And as we close today, I want to encourage you to lean into this moment. As we sing this song together, I want you to just draw close to Jesus. And I want you to ask him that question, God, what is it that you're asking me to say yes to? Ask for clarity. Ask for a face. Ask for a situation where you're realizing God is calling you to step up and just be his hands and be his feet, to be obedient, and he's just asking you to say yes. And whatever he places on your mind today, I'm just asking you to, to be willing to say, God, I'm yours. This is scary. This is dangerous, but I'm available. God, here I am. Send me. Pray that prayer as we sing this song together.